Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. The message you are about to hear is brought to you by African Mission Tape Ministry of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Redemption Camp. God bless you as you listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I believe you were clapping for Tony, not for me. Because definitely the man he was talking about, the one who got PhD, died several years ago. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When I was in the grammar school between 1956 and 1960, before some of you were born, I was a particular teacher that influenced my life tremendously. It's still influencing my life today. There were four of us in the class that were very good in mathematics. And, you know, because we were good in the subject, he had a special love for us, just as I have special love for those who are good in evangelism and doing the work of God. And then we'll find that any time we go to him, you know, he gives us a test and we score 90%, we'll go to him rejoicing. And he will look at it and we'll say, you have not done enough. Okay, yes, there are still 10 more. So we struggle harder and we get 95 and we go. <laughs> At least he will say you. Because there are people getting zero, you know. <laughs> and he will look at us and he will say, you have not done enough. All right, one day will be one day. We will get 100. So one day came and all four of us, as by God's design, we just got 100%. In mathematics. So we went to him, saying, at long last. So he took a look at us and he said, Why are you all smiling so broadly? He said, I mean, look at it. <laughs> and he looked at us and he said, You have not done enough. <laughs> what else can we do? I mean, what can you get above uh, 100? And he looked at us and he said, your colleagues abroad are in the university. You are getting 100% in grammar school, in elementary mathematics. Apapa Parish, congratulations. You've tried. You have done wonderfully well, but you have not done enough. <laughs> Because when we compare the souls that have been saved in the past two years through that very humble beginning of about 50 people two years ago, when we look around and we see all the people who are seated here and we know that many of us are either members already or will become members today, in Jesus' name, how weak, we must say, oh, you've done well. And when we hear of Christian banks, Christian schools, 
Christian radio, Christian television, and Christian transitional council, and maybe Christian government to come. I will say definitely you've done well. But then when you compare the crowd here to the crowd sleeping right now, sleeping off the alcohol of yesterday night, we know we have not done anything yet. Like he said, there was a time when he, he felt, ah, we're going too far. Let, let's retrace, let's retreat a little. I said, what's wrong with you? When you are you are just walking, and you are afraid that you are walking too fast, at a time when God expects you to be flying. I hope you are listening to me. And people ask me, why don't you rest? I do, I rest. Might not be as often as you think, uh, or as I ought to, but I do rest. It's simply because I know some things that God has not allowed me to share. And one of the things is the brevity, brevity of the time left. By his special grace, I happen to know a little bit about what is going on in heaven. I know that very, very soon, all the invitation cards that will be sent out will be sent. I happen to have a rough idea that the table is almost completely occupied now. I mean, every seat now has a name on it. And I know that when you get to heaven, God is not partial. He's going to reward you for what you have done. Full stop. There's no way you can beg him to add just one extra star. It's the number of stars on your crown will be determined by the number of souls you have won. And you see, I happen to be like uh, Oliver Twist. I love to have more. And uh, I want to outshine Paul. You may say you are covetous. Yes? That's the correct way to be covetous. And I happen to know that some 15 years ago, God showed me a house, my house, in heaven. I've always asked that you should pray, God will show you your own too. When he showed me the house, it was tremendous, so big, standing at one end, I can't see the other end. And I saw at that time they were still adding more rooms, adding more rooms, adding more rooms. And I said, what's happening? How can I alone live in all this house? I mean, if a house is too big, it frightens you, doesn't it? And he said, well, when you get to heaven, your children will come to visit you, and every one of them will have a room. Amen. And when I said, it, but this one looks too big already, he said, you better wait till you see the houses of other people. <laughs> and if you know anything about me, you know I want to be the best. How many of you want to be the best? The very best you can be. Shout hallelujah. So congratulations. And my children, I rejoice with you. I'm happy that you are doing what you are doing. And I'm sorry to say you are too slow. Far, far too slow for the plan God has for you. If we are going to take over the world, we can't continue at this pace. Because very, very soon, 
it will all be over. And once it's over, it's over. Period. There won't be anything more we can do. So thank God for all that you've done. Congratulations. I love you. And you know it yourself. I mean, if the love I have for you has almost got me into trouble before. And you know that why. And so I, the love is growing every day. But you need to tighten your belts. By this time next year, I don't want to begin to hear little, little things. I want to be able to hear that you have branches all over this nation and abroad. Yeah. I did hear your amen. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's what I want to hear. That is if you want me to come to the third anniversary. If what I'm coming to hear when I come to the third anniversary is where well, that you we tried, at least we have 20 new satellite churches, I won't come. Now, I will say, maybe I will send my wife to come and represent me. Because she's more tolerant, being a mummy. Congratulations. Amen. And the band, you were wonderful. This morning, you did very, very well. Glory be to God. Give the Lord a big hand for that. Particularly the one heaven came down and glory filled my soul. And I'm going to show the video of that one to my wife as soon as possible. You see, I used to tell people that there are various ways of singing a song. You can sing it in a way that people will fall asleep. Or sing it in a way that tears will come to their eyes. Or sing it in a way that they will be dancing even where they are seated. This, this morning I was dancing where I was sitting. Hallelujah. That was very good. That was very good. Amen. Before we pray, I want to sing a song. Now, if you don't like my voice, that's your own headache. <laughs> Not singing to you. And if you love the song, you can join me. Amen. When I get to heaven, I know I will see. I will see my darling Jesus and sing hallelujah, amen. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, amen. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, amen. When I get to heaven, I know I will see. I will see my darling Jesus and sing hallelujah, amen. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, amen, amen. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. Everybody now, when I get to heaven, I know who I will see. I will see my darling Jesus and sing hallelujah, amen, amen. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, amen, amen. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. One more time. When I get to heaven, I know who I will see. I will see my darling Jesus and sing hallelujah, amen, amen. Sing hallelujah, 
Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, amen. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, amen. My Father, my God, I just want to thank you because we have the hope of heaven. I thank you because I know one day we shall see you. And when we see you, we shall be like you. I thank you because one day, all the sorrows, all the pains, all the agonies, all the struggling, all the fasting and praying will be, do will be done with. I thank you because one day we shall see you and our rest will begin. I thank you because a day is coming when our victory will be final. I bless your holy name, Lord God Almighty, for the salvation of our souls. I thank you for those of us who are born again, who will definitely see you that day. I thank you for those who will be born again today, because I know you brought them here so that they can be free from Satan. Father, accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray that as your word will be going forth this morning, the power in that word will break every yoke in the lives of all your children in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that at the end of it all, this very day, we will all go home knowing that the Almighty God had visited his people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father, for we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand before you sit down. And then shake out with one or two people and say, I will see you in heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. And then you may be seated. God bless you. We've been talking about dealing with forces of darkness, strategies for spiritual warfare, etc., etc. And I told you at the very beginning, I said, the man who is going to overcome Satan must overcome himself. I told you that the biggest enemy you can ever have in this world is yourself. You see, the elders have a saying, they said, if the death within does not kill you, the death from without cannot kill you. If you can conquer yourself, nobody can conquer you. I mean, you ask any man, any man who can control himself sex-wise will never become the slave of his wife. Man, I'm sure some sisters don't like me releasing that secret. But it's true. And there are some men, oh, they are so crazy, and the wife will say, well, I know you, I know what you want. And before you get it, you must do this, period. But if the man can say, listen, my friend, if you don't want, I don't want, period. And then you call the bluff and victory comes. But of course, if you can't control yourself, you can't control your stomach, you can't control, you can't have victory over yourself, then you'll be slaves to one person or the other. Anyone who's going to overcome must be able to overcome himself first. But even then, even though you can say, like Jesus Christ said, the prince of this world cometh unto me and found nothing in me, the battle still continues. You see, we are fighting an enemy that is never tired. The devil is never tired because he was made an angel and angels don't sleep. They don't get tired. They were made that way. But then glory be to God, the one who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber either. 
But you see, there's a passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to sit down. Huh? Having done all, to do what? Stand. After one victory, stand. Why? Because the fellow you are fighting, no matter how many times you knock down the devil, he bounces back. He's never tired of suffering. Knock him on the head. Beat him. Punch him. Knock him out. As soon as he recovers, he says, let's continue the fight. If you look at the life of Jesus Christ because of time, because we could see the, this trace in almost all the lives of the great men, Daniel, I mean, the great problem for Daniel came, the very first temptation he had when he got to, the, to Babylon was, huh, you are looking very handsome, man. Come. Come into the palace of the king. We will treat you special. We won't treat you like a slave. We give you the food of the king, give you the wine of the king. But he has overcome himself. Himself, Shedah, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, no way. We will not eat the food of the king. We will not eat animals that have been offered to idols. We will not drink his wine. We will eat beans and drink water. And because they won that victory number one over themselves, they won every other victory. I mean, every other battle that came across their path, they overcame. Because very, very soon after that, the devil said, all right, if you people say that uh, you are not going to fall to my first temptation, I bring another one. And the king slept. I had a dream. and forgot the dream when he woke up. He woke up in the morning and called all the wise men and said, come and tell me my dream and tell me the interpretation. You don't tell me that, your head will go. Tell us the dream. They will tell you the interpretation. I said, no way. I've forgotten the dream. And I'm the king anyway. So tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation. Can you imagine somebody losing his head because an idiot had a dream and forgot? That shows you the devil. And at that time, the devil was not aiming at any wise men other than Daniel, Shedra, Meshach, and Abednego. He just wanted to take those four. But then, of course, Daniel said, don't worry. We have won the battle over ourselves. We've conquered ourselves. We will conquer here, too. And while other wise men were sleeping, these three people said, sleep you have to stand aside meanwhile. Body, you have to obey. We are going to pray. They saw the face of the Lord and they won the victory. After that one, the devil said, I catch you again. I told the king, set up an idol. Anybody will not worship that idol, throw into the fairy furnace. He knew that these people will not worship any other God other than the living God. You know the rest of the story. Shedah, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fire. But thank God, there's somebody who can be with you in the fire. I didn't know what happened at that time, whether they sent Daniel on a errand. Maybe you have asked the question yourself, where was Daniel? When Shedah, Meshach, and Abednego said they won't bow, did Daniel bow 
I know, you, you better believe he didn't. But somehow he wasn't around. So the devil said, well, I miss that one. Let me plan a special one for him. And if you hear the testimony of sinners concerning Daniel, they say, we can't catch this fellow. Ask him to fornicate, he won't do it. Ask him to drink, he will not. Ask him to take bribe, no way. Any method you want to try, you won't succeed. It's only one way you can catch him. Ask him not to pray to his God. That's the testimony of sinners. How I wish that would be the testimony of sinners concerning all of us. Well, of course, they said, nobody must pray to any God or anybody except to you, O king, for 30 days. Daniel said, oh, you're wasting your time. He opened the windows wide, he said, so that you can see. You know, many of us are ashamed to pray in public. Oh, yes. I've seen people pray before, but when they come to the public, people don't believe that you can even pray in the airport. I've traveled occasionally, sometimes, several times, traveling in the plane. And I get on the plane, and the first thing I do is I begin to pray. And I've been amazed at the reactions I get from people. They look at me as if I'm crazy. How can you be praying in the plane? Even the hostess will come and say, champagne or orange, while I'm praying. <laughs> Glory be to God. Some people, when they pray in public, they pray the headache prayer. They bring the food and they say, bless this food, O Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So that nobody will hear what they have said and they begin to eat. Are you ashamed of Jesus? I didn't hear your answer. Are you ashamed of Jesus? Daniel said, if you haven't seen me before now, come and see. He opened the windows wide. They threw him into the lion's den, but the lions couldn't eat him. See, because... He has refused to eat the meat of the king. The lions of the king could not eat him. Those boys refused to drink the wine of the king. When the fire of the king began to burn, he couldn't burn them. You win over yourself. Then you can live in this world from one victory to another. I'm not saying that the moment you win over yourself that there will be no more attacks. There will be constantly. The enemy will keep on bombarding you. For the moment you discover that you are a general or an officer in the army of God, uh -huh, then you become a target. But the joy of it is that greater is he that is with us than he that is with them. Amen. In the life of Jesus Christ, he went into the wilderness and passed the test. Three major examinations. But then what happened after that? The Bible said and Satan left him for a season. Not forever. He left him for a season. Not very long after that, Jesus went to the temple to read the Bible. And he said, uh, the spirit of, of God is upon me, etc., etc. And he said, brethren, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your sight. What was the reaction of the people? They took him to the top of a hill and they wanted to throw him down and kill him. Why? Overreading the Bible. It wasn't the walking, it was the enemy. Oh, very soon after that one, he fell the multitude, healed the sick, and then he got in a boat and said, now let me rest a while. As soon as he began to sleep, the devil tried to sink the boat. But of course, he got up again and said, peace be still. And there was a calm. And every storm in your life will be calm today in Jesus' name. 
But the devil didn't stop there. The devil kept on walking very close, not too far away from Jesus Christ. I want you to know that one. Darkness is never far from light. In fact, <laughs> the boundary of light is where you find darkness. So the devil was listening when Jesus Christ was asking the disciples, who the people say that I am? Oh, you are Elijah. You are this, you are that. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, oh, praise God. Peter, now you are receiving directly from heaven. So I said, oh, okay, at least he trusts this one. Quickly he jumped in. And Jesus Christ said, now, well, brethren, I'm going to Jerusalem and there'll be one or two things happening there and then I will die and so on. Peter said, stop that nonsense. How can you die? You will never die. And that's why he came to, to the world. Of course, Jesus recognized who was speaking and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Why you think that Satan will leave him after that one? No. Even when he got on the cross, Satan got the people around and they said unto him, if you are the son of God, have you heard that one before? That's where he started his temptation. If you are the son of God, come down and they will believe you. He followed him to the cross. But finally, Jesus Christ said, it is finished. Now victory has come. Final, final. See, when we talk about final victory, there's a victory that is final when you overcome yourself. The moment you locate your weakness and you've dealt with it, ah, you can just go from one victory to another. Every problem that the enemy brings will be a step higher in glory. He will keep on coming. Don't worry about that. Jesus has a purpose for him. Each time Satan comes across your path, it's so that you can be promoted. Amen? Amen? But the final, final victory will come either when you die or when you are raptured. That is when the final, final victory comes. And since many of us who are here today will not die before Jesus comes, that's why I want to talk to you about the rapture. Because that is the final victory. There are some of us who are looking at me now who will never taste death. I mean physical death. I believe very strongly I'm one of them. Unless God, because he's the almighty, unless he changes his plan again, you are looking at somebody who will not taste death. I am telling you the truth because it's coming so soon that I will still be here healthy, strong, marching on for the Lord when suddenly well, suddenly we'll be gone together. Let me say that one. Amen. Mm -hmm. The rapture which is our final, final victory is a five-fold event. I know many of you know everything about the rapture from top to bottom, but please listen to this one. <laughs> and maybe one, two, or one or two things you might, get, you might gain too, or there might be revision. The rapture is a fivefold event. Number one, the rapture is a catching away. A catching away. Number two, it is a catching up. 
Number three, it is a transfiguration. Number four, it is a triumph. And number five, it is a blessedness. A catching away, a catching up, a transfiguration, a triumph, and a blessedness. Let's take it one by one. And remember, this is a seminar, so it's not a sermon. It will li it's likely to be a little longer than 30 minutes. But is that okay by you? Yes. Ah, all right, thank you. Even if it's not okay by you, I'm already here. <laughs> Too late to do anything about that. Amen. It is a catching away from all distresses of soul and body. As long as we are in this world, there will be some things to distress us, some things to distress our bodies and our souls. There will be people who will lie against us. There will be friends who will disappoint. There will be things that will cause us sorrow. After all, the Bible even said that we are to weep with those who weep. That means even if there's nothing for you to weep about, when somebody else is weeping, you are commanded to join. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Second Corinthians 5, 1 and 2 say, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this, that is in this body, in this tabernacle, we groan, Endlessly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. As long as we are in this body, we can still get tired. We can have some aches, we can have some pains, we can have some sorrows, we can have some heartaches. Three days ago, my wife and I flopped down in the sitting room, tired. I was worn out, she was more than worn out. And she looked at me and said, darling... I wish that Jesus will come today. I said, believe me honestly, I wish that he will come now. And after we discuss a little, we found that that will be irresponsible. Because you need to hear this sermon before he comes. <laughs> so that I can see you in heaven. Amen. Mm. I mean, somebody fails to do the will of God, he dies. In your congregation, they will say, you, the pastor, you are the one who sinned. You didn't pray the way you should pray. You have lost touch with God. That's why that fellow who was drinking and got knocked down by a car died. What were you doing at the time the fellow was dying? You will have things to be sad about. But when the rapture comes, it will catch you away from all that. It will catch you away from all the persecution and oppression of the enemy. Because according to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, we are wrestling. We are doing what? Wrestling. We are wrestling with forces of darkness. And the, and the, like I told you, the devil never lets go. He's always ready to wrestle. But a day will come when all wrestling will be over. And that will come at the rapture. There will be a catching away. There will be a day when the rapture comes when we will be caught away from death. 
As long as you are alive here, you are wearing what the Bible calls the body of death. According to Romans chapter 7 verse 24. Romans 7 verse 24, Paul said, Woe is me, O wretched that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Don't worry, somebody is coming to deliver us. It's our commander-in-chief. When he comes, we will be delivered from everything that is called death. When the rapture comes, we'll be cut away from all troubles and all unrest. Troubles come in various forms. Troubles of bodies, troubles of souls, troubles of spirits. Bad dreams, all kinds of things. But when the rapture comes, we'll be cut away from that one. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, he said, For all those of you who are troubled, rest with us. And he said, When are you going to rest with us? When the Lord shall come. That day, when the rapture will take place, the Bible calls it the day of total redemption. The day of total redemption. Let me read that one to you. Romans chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. Romans 8, 22 and 23 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, ourselves also, we saints, we also groan, we also travail, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. We are even number one when it comes to the Spirit of God. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to which the redemption of our body. We're waiting for that day when there will be total redemption for us, body, soul, and spirit. That day is coming. And it's coming soon. It is coming when you'll be able to say categorically, Death, you missed me at last. It is coming when you'll be able to say, pain, sorrow, bye-bye, I'm gone. That day will come when you will look at the devil in the face and say, hey, Jegede. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what to say that one in English. <laughs> Jegede, you, you missed me, poor fellow. See, because as long as you are still walking in this flesh, the Bible says, he that thinks his tongues. Let him take heed. Why? Let's see false. Now, the word used to describe rapture, the word used by Paul to describe the rapture, shows you that it is a, it's a strong word. In fact, it's a military word. It's an urgent, violent snatching. The Greek word that we will find in First Thessalonians chapter 4, Chapter 4, verse 17. If you have the Greek Bible, check, check at home. If you don't know Greek, no problem. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, the word used for we shall be cut up is the word hapaso. And hapaso is like, is, is a word that you use when an arm robber comes and he snatches the key of your car. In other words, something that is taken violently taken without permission, taken by force. 
to rob by violence. That's what the word means. To rob by violence, to snatch hastily, to take by swift, sudden movement. And that's exactly what's going to happen at the rapture. God is going to come down and snatch you and I by force from Satan, from sickness, from death. Hallelujah. And if you know anything about the rapture at all, you will know that the way the rapture is going to take place is completely military in fashion. I mean, in every detail of it. The Bible says, the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. And if you know people who shout, you know the soldiers are number one. And the word shout there, actually, in, in the original meant, the Lord himself shall descend with an alarm signal. You know, those of us who lived through the civil war, they, they warned us that whenever you hear this alarm, that means the air raid is coming, and you begin to hide. That's the kind of thing. The Lord himself will descend with a shout, with an alarm signal, with a loud voice of command, with the voice of an archangel. And any of you who had ever had contact with angels before, if there's anything you notice about angels is that they can be pretty loud. When you come, the first time you see an angel, I pray you will see one today. First time you see an angel, you'll be terribly frightened. That's why the first thing he's going to say to you is, fear not. That is if it's an angel of the Lord. If he comes to you and he didn't say fear not before he begins to talk, it's from the devil. You can be sure of that. I've seen angels a couple of times. Each time I see, see them, I see feel a little bit uh, disturbed. Even after all these years of um, working together. But there's something about them that is frightening. Now, a single, an ordinary angel can be very loud. But God is not going to use an ordinary angel. That is going to use an archangel. Now, when you talk about an archangel, an archangel is an angel that angels will call angel. If you understand what I mean by that. Uh, in other words, the other angels will see him and say, that's an angel coming. <laughs> Just like uh, sinners will see some sinners and say, that is a sinner coming. <laughs> you know, there are some sinners that are sinners. Squared. He said the Lord will descend with a shout. You know, with an arm, an alarm signal, with a loud voice of command, with the voice of an archangel, with a trumpet clang. You know the trumpet. But this trumpet we are talking about, the trumpet's blast, is not an ordinary trumpet. It's the trumpet of God himself. A trumpet that is so loud that God himself will say, this is a trumpet. Now if, if you can just imagine just a little. Like, I think I was talking to one group of people over the weekend. I preached so many sermons, I, didn't, I can't remember where I preached this one. Then I was telling them about somebody who was saying, wait a minute, you people, when you are praying, you are all shouting at the same time. God give me wife. God give me husband. God give me a job. God give me promotion. God. If you say it one by one, maybe you will hear. But to all of you talking at the same time, how is he going to hear? I said, sir, if you know how big his ears are, then you understand how he could hear. He said, have you seen God before? I said, no. They do know how big his ears are. 
I said, well, I don't know how big his ears are, but I know how big his legs are. And the Bible says his legs are so big that when he wants to rest them, he uses the whole earth as he's supposed to. Those legs are big, brethren. I mean, you can imagine a leg starting from heaven and reaching down to the earth. There must be big legs. And the ears must be proportional to the legs. <laughs> Hallelujah. So before you can make a noise that God will say, yes, that is a noise. That must be a noise. <laughs> and the trumpet of God is the one that will be used on that day. And it's going to be blown by an archangel. The funny thing is that some people won't hear. Loud as that thing will be. Simply because they don't have the necessary equipment to hear. Maybe we'll talk about that a little later on. So we find that the coming of the Lord, the rapture, is in every detail military. Pa, 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 the trumpet of God will sound. He will descend with a shout. The archangel will, will shout and say, Here comes the Lord. And Adeboye will say, Welcome. We've been waiting. I pray that you will be ready on that day. Amen. So the rapture is a catching away. Away from sickness, away from sorrow, away from pain, away from wrestling, away from fasting. I'm sure some of you will like that because you don't like to fast anyway. Away from night vigils, which some people don't like either. But secondly, the rapture is also a catching up. See, there are various ways I can catch something from someone. I can grab this notebook and throw it, take it violently sideways. But no, the rapture is to be cut up. It's a catching up. A violent military snatching upwards. It is a catching up because on that day, the head of the church will descend and stay just where we can see him, just near the clouds. And then, like a great magnet, he will attract all of us who are little bits of iron, as it were, to go and meet him. It's going to be a very powerful drawing upwards. Look at it. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's read it. Verses 16 and 17. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 16 and 17. It says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Well, congratulations. Let them rise first. I don't want to die before I go. Then which we are alive. Aha, that's he's talking about me now. Which, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Cut up. That huge supernatural magnet will be there. Drawing all of us to heaven. It is going to be fast. It will be powerful. It will be 
irresistible. Gravity will not be able to stop us that day. Because the power that is going to bring us up there is the power that made gravity anyway. And you remember when he was here on earth, he suspended gravity at least on one occasion when he was walking on water. Because if you know any, any science at all, even if you didn't go to school, you know if you drop something on water, what will he do? And it will sink. But on this occasion, he told gravity to go to sleep. And he did. Until he got into the boat. You see, the beauty of the catching up is that you are not the one who will be flying to meet him. You will be drawn to meet him. And then you will not be going alone. That's the, that's the beauty of it all. Because as I am going, those of you who are ready at the time will also be going. I don't know how many of you will be ready on that day. Are you sure? We shall see. <laughs> But the point is not that we, I alone will be going, not that we alone will be going. People will be going from all over the world at the same time. In other words, it's going to be an ascent. Not of a solitary Elijah. You know, when Elijah went with a wife went to heaven, he was the only one going. But on this occasion, there will be millions of Elijahs going to heaven, drawn powerfully by the head of the church, by the one by whom all things consist, by the one who holds the universe together just in his little hands. He is the one who will be drawing us together. And there will be, the heavens will be filled with shouts of joy. You'll be hearing from one side, praise the Lord. Another one will be saying hallelujah. Another one will be saying, and as you see him there, I mean, you can... Even the glory there will be there, radiating, showing you how beautiful the one you loved without seeing is in all his glory. The rapture is a transfiguration. As the church of all ages unite in the air, I mean the church from Pentecost all the way to now, as we unite in the air, after the ecstasy of beholding the glory of our Lord. After we look at his face and we rejoice and I mean, I don't know how long that one will last, but uh, after some time, even the ecstasy will mellow down a little to enable us to look around and see who else is here. Who else has made it. I mean, at first, when you are going, you won't even remember your wife or your husband, the ecstasy will be simply that I have made it. But when you finally get there, after you settle down a little, ah, sorry, oh God, forgive me. <laughs> Where's my darling? I hope she made it. Of course, she will make it. Don't worry about that. But then, as you turn around to look at the others, suddenly you will see something that will again surprise you. And that is that you will see that every person that you see will be radiating light like the sun. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Daniel 12, verse 3. The Bible says, well, let's read it from verse 12. 
And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. We will be shining. Because the force that is snatching us away, that is taking us upwards, that same force has to transform our bodies. That's why we say the rapture is a transfiguration. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, from verse 51 to 53, he said that this body, this mortal body must put on immortality. That force that is going to transform us is going to change our bodies. Something else will go out of us. I don't have the time to go into details. I would have told you that at least one thing that is not going to rise with you when you rise is your blood. But I don't have the time to prove that one. So if you don't believe, just forget that one. It doesn't matter anyway. But the transformation will be such that suddenly you become like diamond producing your own light. And the light will be far, far greater than that of the sun. So when you turn to your right, you will see millions of stars shining. To your left, millions. And then, of course, <laughs> they heard himself as glorious as ever. Remember, the Bible says that the city where we are going, there will be no sun there. Because the Almighty God himself, the Lamb himself, will be the light. Thereof. Wherever he stands, every other light will become pale. The rapture is a triumph. That's number four. Why is it rapture a triumph? It is because it is an unspeakably glorious triumph because everything we are talking about now from the moment the rapture takes place is going to be in the air. And as you know very well, if you have read your Bible, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2, that is the headquarters of our enemy. We're going to spend seven years eating, drinking, having a nice time. Where? In the air. At the headquarters of Satan. You see, God has a sense of humor. When, when the rapture takes place, you know we are going to be married. I don't have the time to discuss that one with you. We're going to be married to Jesus Christ. God the Father is going to perform the wedding. <laughs> John the Baptist will be the best man. And the chief bridesmaid is going to be Ruth. I don't have the time to prove all that. But you can just write them down and say, it's not likely to lie anyway. From the look of things, he seems to know what he's talking about. <laughs> and then, of course, the men, <laughs> things like the fruit of life, water of life. You know, there was some manna hidden in those days. The manna you read about that you never tasted, uh, we are going to eat it. That's if we make it. For seven years, we'll be doing that at the headquarters of the one who thought he's going to destroy us. Can you imagine the triumph? I mean, it's just like somebody saying, 
You will not be promoted as long as I'm in this office. And then God suddenly turns things around and you become the chairman of the board. And they say, it should be your aide de camp. That wherever you go, you should carry your briefcase. Can you imagine the trial? I remember one man, those of us who are fairly old, you remember in the old days, when you go to teacher training college, there are two ways of getting your grade two. You can do two years, and then you get grade three, and then go out and work. And then you come back and do another two years, and then you get grade two. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Ah, <laughs> a new generation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or if you like, you can do the four years in a stretch. Now, in those days, seniors in teacher training colleges were demons, period. I mean, the way they deal with juniors is, in, is incredible, it's inhuman. I mean, can you imagine somebody asking you to fill a, back, a basket with water and asking you to go and fetch the water with a spoon? I think that, that tells you the story. So there was this man, he was the senior in grade three when this fellow has just come in. And my, he tortured this fellow. Finally, because he, 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 after two years, this senior left as grade three to go and walk. And the junior got to grade, grade three second year, and then he moved on to third year, and then he moved on to fourth year. When he was in the fourth year, this man who was, who was grade three came back to do his final two years, and he's now in year three, directly under the fellow that he tortured years ago. And you can imagine what human beings can do. I can imagine what you would do to the devil when you see him under your feet. I don't know how many of you love the devil. I don't like him. How many of you hate the devil? How many of you would like to really smash his head? Okay, the opportunity is coming. Because our wedding is going to take place at his headquarters. That's the triumph. It's a fantastic triumph. The conqueror, that's the Lord himself, and his victorious host, will hold a party at the headquarters of their vanquished foe. And then the decoration of the persecuted will take place at the headquarters of their defeated persecutor. It's a triumph of unknown proportions. Which brings us to number five. That is why the rapture, this final victory, is a blessedness. When a commander-in-chief returns, all the redeemed will know what is truly meant by blessed art thou. Because the book of Titus tells us in chapter 2, verse 13, Titus 2, 13, I cause it uses a term that I think we better take it from the Bible straight away. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 said, Looking for that blessed hope. What are we looking for? The blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, 
Jesus Christ. There's no word that can describe the blessedness. It is beyond description. The joy has no comparison. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he said, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. He said in verse 10, But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. We can only visualize them with the spiritual eye. The glory that is waiting for us. But it's difficult to even imagine what it will be like when we see these things face to face. I don't know if I've shared with you before that once, you know, when I joined the church some 20 years ago, I was the only lecturer in the university in the church then. I was, I was the only academician. I had some, several questions I wanted to ask, but there was nobody to ask them from. If I asked the question in those days, they would throw me out of the church. They would say, their lack of ways have come. They, we know they cannot be saved. Now they, this one says he's saved. Look at him, asking questions. I mean, questions like, God, <laughs> do you know that Adam and Eve will eat the forbidden fruit? If you knew they were going to eat it, why did you plant the thing there? And if you planted the thing there, and you knew they were going to eat it, and they ate it. Why quarrel with them for doing what you knew they were going to do? Uh, you you ask that kind of question from a pastor. Uh, it will throw you out of the church quick. I have more serious questions than those ones. So I, because there was no one to ask, I turned to God himself. And I began to ask him those questions. One of the questions I asked him is, oh God, why? After the rapture, after you have taken us to heaven for seven years, I mean to, to the air for seven years, and we have enjoyed for seven years, why must we come back to the earth for another 1,000 years before we finally go to heaven? Why the waste of time? Why don't we just go straight from, you know, the uh, wedding reception and go straight to heaven? I couldn't ask any pastor that. I'm sure they have no answer anyway, even if I ask them. But Daddy told me, you know I'm his favorite. <laughs> How many favorites of the Daddy? <laughs> Shout hallelujah. Daddy told me, he said, because your body is so accustomed to suffering, you need 1,000 years to adjust to enjoyment before you go to heaven. Or else, the enjoyment there will kill you. <laughs> and he proved it to me. I don't have the time to go into details. But you see, you yourself know that today, everybody knows that honey is sweet. Is that not so? Honey is a very good food. Very nice. Good for your body. As the doctors, they will tell you at least that one is good for your body. They may say egg is not good today. Chicken is not good tomorrow. But they won't argue on honey. Because the Bible said, eat honey, for it is good. You can't deny that one. But you take too much of honey, what does your body do? It will react. You vomit it. You say, ah, this is too sweet now. So used to bitterness. We're so used to sorrow. 
so used to pain. Now suddenly to find ourselves in a place where there is nothing called sorrow at all, we will ask God to let us go out. Glory be to God. And God gave me some illustrations to illustrate the point. He said, for example, if you call somebody who is a messenger who is on a salary of about, let's take 500 naira, and you call him and say, from this moment onward, I increase your salary to 1 million naira a month, he will die. <laughs> I mean, joy will kill him. He will be so happy dancing on the street, he won't know when the car will knock him down. <laughs> Or he would drink himself so much he would just die. And look at all the rich people in the world today. Don't you see how much problem they have? Because suddenly there is enough food to eat. They can eat any food they like. That's why they begin to have cholesterol problem. Uh, this problem. That problem. Ask the people in Moshe who don't have enough to eat. Do they have weight problem? <laughs> they don't have to <laughs> Don't let me say that one. <laughs> I'm not saying that to embarrass you. We are one. Hallelujah. But this is the truth of the matter. So he said, but if you call that fellow and say, well, I look at you and I like you, my friend, I have decided to increase your salary to a thousand naira a month. Ah, he will be happy. But that joy will be something he can contain. Because he has so many days to clear. And... Uh, over two, three months, he will be able to clear all his debts. And as soon as he clear all his debts, he will begin to feel, why should I be walking to the office? A bicycle is a good idea. And at that time, when he said, a bicycle is a good idea, but one now sells for about 4,000 naira. I don't think I can buy. You call him at that time and say, I want to increase your salary again, this time to 5,000 naira a month. He will be able to cope. And then one day as he's riding his bicycle uphill, somebody with a motorcycle passes him over there. He says, ah, it'd be a better idea if I have a motorcycle. But he checks and he finds that uh, even a used one is costing about 18,000 naira. At that stage, you call him and increase his salary to 20,000. You will be able to handle it. Then one day while he's riding his motorcycle, he's beaten by rain. And then he says, it might be a good idea to have a car and then he checks and they say, uh, he looks at one little one, Jecha. Uh, and they say, I said, this one, this is, this is not too big, it's good for me. He finds out how much they are selling it, they said, 400,000 naira. <laughs> at that stage, you call him and say, I'm increasing your salary to 100,000 naira a month. He will be able to handle it. Little by little, when you say, you can now have a million every month, he will be able to cope. God said, you will need a thousand years of gradual adjustment before you'll be able to cope with the joy that is in heaven. And of course, those who are in hell, those who are going to hell, they will need a thousand years of gradual adjustment to suffering of the real type. Brethren, the final victory is around the corner. That day, that day of final triumph, He's knocking at the door. All the signs show that he's coming very soon. That is the force that is driving people like me. That's why we can't rest. That's why we want to do more. That's why we want to serve him a little more. Because very soon, 
that time will come because as soon as we finish all the enjoyment in the air the seven years just before we come back to the earth here there's going to be some decorations which i can't go into now because of time and your decoration will be determined by one or two things first of all the work that you have done will be tested and to be tested by fire you know many of us do a lot of things so that the pastor can see us and say you are doing fine <laughs> everything you do for the purpose of the pastor saying well done we burn and you know god showed me some of these things because i asked him <laughs> and he showed me the picture of what is going to happen that day everybody will gather everyone who knows you your mother if he makes it to if she makes it to heaven of course your mother your friends everyone and over there there's no hurry because there's no night there you see there's no time everything is one continuous day so there's no question of saying let's just hurry up before it is too late no 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 hurry one day <laughs> so god can take his time and you all gather and then they call you forward pastor so 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 or brother so 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 or sister so 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 whatever you want to call yourself and of course you step forward and then they beckon to the angel and he will bring your parcel that parcel contains all the work that you have done for jesus since you got born again all those who did before you were born again you better forget that one they don't count those who do after you are born again eh? they'll be parcel. the parcel will come the same size huge container and then there is a fire they are burning <laughs> and the angel will come and put the parcel on fire and the thing will begin to burn what i'm telling you is scripture i'm sure you know you enough of the bible to know that everything that you've done that is wood by god's classification or hay or stubble you just see the you just see the big parcel getting smaller and smaller and smaller until the precious stones will remain those things you did with only one motive to please him will remain by the time they finish the fire finishes its terrible work on the pursuit of some people the way god showed me what will be left for some people will be maybe the size of this thing and that will determine the reward what will be left for some people will be the size of this microphone i'm holding when they are bringing the parcel for everybody to be the same size, when the fire finishes, <laughs> things will be different. And then they will now look at you or something, and then they will reward you accordingly. Don't let anybody deceive you when they say there is no weeping in heaven. Ah. <laughs> there will be weeping there. I can assure you. But the beautiful thing is that as you are weeping, God will say, no, 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 no weeping here. He will take his handkerchief and wipe away all tears. That's what the Bible says. He will wipe away what? All tears. If you don't weep there, what will be the tears to wipe away? People will weep because they wish they had done more. Every one of us will weep. doesn't matter who you are. When you see all the opportunities you have lost to serve the Almighty God, 
when you had held on to things that you could let go so that you could have something that is eternal. When God shows you all the various opportunities that... Oh, Lord have mercy. But then, even though all of us will weep, at least we will rejoice that at least I made it. Even if only one star is what they give me, at least I am here. But then there are some people who will not even go. That's the point. There are some people who will not go. There are some people who will not go at the rapture. I can bet my life on it. It's the word of God. There are some preachers who will not go. There are some Christians who will, they will not go. Why? Because those who will go at the rapture, according to the word of God, are people without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. I wish I have time to go into all those details. Spot, blemish, I'm sure you can understand that one. Wrinkle, that's a different one indeed. Then one day I asked the Lord, I, I know about spot. That's sin. I know about blemish. Or wholesome habits. What about this wrinkle business? And the Lord told me. He said, son, suppose somebody is about to be married to me. And his garment, the gown that he's going to wear has been ironed. Everything is neat and proper. And he hangs it on the wall just before putting it on. And then the wind blew so that one segment of the dress is folded on the other. That when this segment is removed, there is one single line of wrinkle going from top to bottom. That fellow won't go. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, Be ye therefore perfect. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's why many of us are joking. That's why when people like me talk, you say I'm old-fashioned. I know what I'm talking about, brethren. And that doesn't mean you won't make it to heaven if you don't go at the rapture. Mm -mm. There'll be an opportunity seven years later. You can still make it seven years later. But then you will go through seven years of fire. That fire will then refine you. I told them at the headquarters last Sunday when they asked me to talk on the king is coming. I said, you want to hear? They said, yes. You want to hear about the king is coming? With the kind of life you are living? You want to hear about the king that is coming? Many of us who are saying, leave me alone, let me live my life the way I want. Let me dress the way I want to dress. Let me do this. Fine, no quarrel. No quarrel. Seven years will do the job. Seven years when you will seek for death and death will say, mm -mm, I've been commanded not to kill. Seven years when you will forget what is even called dress. Seven years when the Antichrist will come and you will suddenly realize Christ has come, those who already had gone and I'm left behind and then you will make up your mind, all right, I know I missed round one, but I will go in round two. And the Antichrist will say, you mean it? You say yes, and he say, well, let's see. You won't be able to buy, you won't be able to sell. 
The back, let me tell you. If you have ever seen a woman in labor, when the woman is about to deliver, I've seen it once or twice. In fact, the last time I saw my wife in labor, I said, no more children. Can't allow my beloved one to go through this one again. No more. When a woman is just about to deliver, can she remember the kind of dress she wore to the maternity center? Try to put the cloth on her. You see how she would throw it away. Why? Because of the tremendous agony. And the Bible said that during those seven years, mighty men, eh? mighty men of valor, will cry like a woman in birth pain. And so, what about those of you who are not mighty men then? If that's going to happen to mighty men, that's why it is better to be ready now. So you can go when he comes. That's why you better go back to the old time religion and stop copying people of the world and say, this is the way they do it in America. Your own is too hard. Ah. It's because I know the terror of the Lord. That's why I'm persuading men. No, I mean, we know evangelists so and so. I know them too. Are you saying they won't get to heaven? No, I have not said so. What I'm saying is that they are not going at the rapture. Unless the word of God is not forever settled. Any spot left in you, you won't go. Any wrinkle, you won't go. That's why <laughs> you better settle that matter with the Lord. That's why I said God cannot, Jesus could not possibly have come on Thursday. Because you need to hear this thing. So I, because he knows I love you and I want to see you in heaven. After you have had it now, it's up to you. You can go with me when I'm going at the rapture, or I can welcome you when you come seven years later. And then, finally, there are some people who will not even go at all, whether and one or and two. Why? Simply because they are not born again. Because Jesus Christ said, Unless a man be born again, he cannot even see. Not to talk of enter the kingdom of God. Give your life to Jesus. No. Who told you I am not born again? My father brought the church to do something, just like the pastor said, to Bumashop. <laughs> Give your life to Jesus. I, I, I was a Christian before your mother married your father. Are you born again? No. And then why don't you? I don't want to be. What will people say? Don't you know who I am? Hmm? Will you be able to argue with death? Will you be able to argue with the Antichrist? The Lord is calling you today. Why the gates of mercy are still open? Shall we stand, please? We want to sing a song. It's a question and answer song. And as we sing that song, those of you who want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you come forward. It's no question of hiding it. If you don't want to give your life to Jesus, stay there. I've told you the truth. It's up to you now. If you know you are not born again and you want to be born again, come here right away 
and I will pray with you for God to have mercy on you and save your soul. If you are ashamed, you are shy, you are not prepared, stay there. I've done my job. If you call yourself a Christian and you are still living in sin, you better come and settle the matter because the Lord may come tomorrow. The song says, Will you be ready when the Lord shall come? Will you be ready when the Lord shall come? And the answer is up to you now. You can say, Oh yes, I will be ready. I will be ready. I will be ready when the Lord shall come. I will be ready. I will be ready. I will be ready when the Lord shall come. Can you sing that? Good. Will you be ready when the Lord shall come?